0: Hey good afternoon, Jerry. Hello, Jeremy. How are you? I'm I'm making it. I'm making it. Getting getting through day by day. So I I, I wanted to ask you, actually. I know music is a big part of your life. You, you sing uh-huh. and you keep trying to get me to sing? <laughs> uh-huh. Also, Recently, we had my mother's memorial service, and music was a big part of her life as well. Mm -hmm. Now, in a much different way, music is a big part of my life, mostly because it invokes emotions that I couldn't otherwise organically come up with on my own. Do you follow? I do. Okay. So is there a particular song or a piece of music that just kind of gets you... No matter what mood you're in, that you're you're your go-to for, you know what? This is what I want to feel at this moment, Uh and and dog on it, that's what I'm going to feel, and this song or music does that to
1: you. Okay, yeah, yeah. Okay, that's a good question. I like this question. I can relate to this question very very well. (laughs) I thought you might be able to. (laughs) Absolutely, I use music for mood manipulation all the time. (laughs) <laughs> whenever, whenever I'm uh, either like really low and I want to feel better, or if I'm like really stressed and I want to calm down, mm-hmm. it's uh, you know it's funny you ask this question right now because just within the last two weeks, my kids and I watched the movie Grand Turismo. Oh, okay. I don't know. Did, have you seen that movie? I have not. Are you familiar with the premise? A bit, yeah. So the yeah. premise premise of the movie is that. That's, ad guy yeah. who was played by Orlando Bloom i think isn't it oh. uh, from uh, like <laughs> we just uh, we recently had return of the king on and uh, Orlando Bloom a very different looking Orlando Bloom uh, from Legolas uh, plays an ad man who sells who is it um which one of the car companies on the idea that they should sponsor a contest in which worldwide they they do a contest to see who are the greatest Gran Turismo video game players because the Gran Turismo oh. video game was designed to be as accurate a simulator mm-hmm. as 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 possible, as the technology would allow, okay. so that if somebody is playing Gran Turismo, they know what it's like to race cars, right? The idea was they would host a contest for the best Gran Turismo video game players mm-hmm. in the world, mm-hmm. and then the winners of the contest would come and get a chance to actually drive real race cars oh, on behalf of the car company that sponsored the competition. Okay. And okay. and the story is the movie tells the story of what happened in real life because this is, this is like based on a true story All where right. a kid and I can't remember where he's from now, but a <laughs> a, a kid uh, won the contest and ultimately found success racing cars which was like his dream as mm-hmm, portrayed mm-hmm, in the movie mm-hmm. but what's what what makes me babble on about this movie which is a great movie a very fun movie we all really enjoyed it is the fact that before races before mm-hmm. this kid had to get into the car and race and recognizing that not only is there all the inherent danger of high speed race car driving involved in him getting in this car Mm -hmm. but that all the other teams and drivers and in the beginning even his own crew hated him because nobody felt like he deserved to be there or should be there right so additional stress on top of the stress of the sport itself Mm -hmm. so so as the movie uh portrays it and i think was true to life this kid would use his uh You know, MP3 player. Before every race, he would pop in his headphones and he would he would turn up Enya, and he would listen to Enya things like Orinoco Flow and Mm -hmm. like Mm -hmm. like Enya songs in order to calm himself down. And that made my family laugh hysterically. Not only because it was just fun, but also because it's exactly what I do. I put, whenever I am stressed out or like anxious about something or just need to calm down, I I go, you know, hey, Shlomo, I don't want to engage all of y'all's smart assistants if you're on (laughs) Apple devices, so I will just say, hey, Shlomo, shuffle the artist Enya. Enya starts playing. And uh and that helps settle me down. If I need to, if I need some energy, right? If I need to get going, then I will put on like a really kick-ass song. Like for instance, sometimes I might if I'm feeling particularly without hope. If mm-hmm. I'm feeling mm-hmm. like like I need I need to inject. Some hope into my veins. I need to like pump myself up to believe that this thing that I'm not sure I believe in or believe possible is possible. I will crank up uh, the impossible dream from the Broadway musical Man of La Mancha because that is all about <laughs> tilting at windmills and believing <laughs> believing the impossible is possible. Right, the impossible dream.
0: This is my quest to follow that star, no matter how hopeless. No
2: matter how far to fight for the rights without question or pause, to be
0: willing to march into hell for a heavenly
2: cause.
1: If I just need a kick in the pants, some energy to just get going, um Don't Stop Believing by Journey, oh, that'll, that'll yeah. get me going. You know, yeah. the. the You know, a little, little, don't
0: (laughs) stop believing. Nice try. I'm not going to sing.
1: Gonna <laughs> you know, pick something better. Um, what I need to do is pick one of our theme songs that, that our audience still needs to name. The, right? those, those that that special, those special musicals. We're
0: counting on you, and you're letting us down.
1: <laughs> those special scores, those special scored tracks that just that just inject the that, movie that's... and the nostalgia into our veins. So yes, I think of music. I listen to music to discover new music. Mm-hmm, rarely. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Right, to be honest. Right. Mm-hmm. I do use music regularly as like sort of a soundtrack to my life. Oh, like, okay, if right, you, like, right. like, that's kind of my philosophy. Like, so if there's like a really sad, like if something really sad is going on, I will literally play, like, some really sad music in my ears just oh, yeah. to sort of, like, r- just be in the moment and keep the vibes going mm. to, like, allow myself to express and feel those things just like you kind of would in a movie. Yeah, so that's that's kind of my relationship with, with music. Mm.
0: So you, you mentioned you mentioned about
1: putting on some sad or some emotional
0: uh, music, and, and I do the same thing. And I've always thought of it like, you know, if you have a toothache or something like that. And you bite down on it real hard and it hurts like crazy for a moment. And then it just kind of relaxes that pain for a moment. You know, it's it's like it, you inject it into your brain, just the overload of emotion in it. So it kind of, that's the way I view it.
1: So we're learning that Jeremy has a little masochistic streak. This is interesting. Go on, go on. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Tell me more. <laughs> wow. That went a direction I did not expect well, I did not expect you to tell me <laughs> well, like no, no, if I'm feeling me... some pain, I'm gonna really jack it up so that it'll uh release. Well,
0: just momentarily <laughs> yeah. and then and then it's it's like overloading the nerves. Okay. You know what I mean? Uh-huh. So so if I'm feeling particularly emotional, partic- particularly sad or or depressed or something like that, okay. I will listen to those songs that that evoked that specific right. emotion with Ooh, me. So
1: what's your go-to I Will Cry song?
0: There's a couple of them. I'm trying to remember the name of it. Oh my gosh. It's called Hate Me by Blue October. Okay.
1: Oh, I am not familiar. HATE ME TO
0: That song, it it uh, was one of those songs that hit me really, really hard right after my younger brother passed. Uh-huh. And so every time I hear that song, regardless of the mood I'm in, it hits me with that wave of emotion. You know, it's not necessarily a direct thing from what's going on in the song to what happened in my life there, mm-hmm. but it's close enough where it, it does kind of hit
1: well it's connected to what connected. was going on yes, into your exactly, in your life when exactly. you first heard it.
0: It's crazy how music will connect things in your life, much the same way that a scent will as well, you know. Well, it's so, really
1: funny. I already mentioned that that in multiple episodes in the past, we have talked about the fact that movie scores oh yeah, can just transport and, you immediately back to somewhere and in in talking about the way I use music to score mm-hmm, my life, mm-hmm. I have regularly used movie scores in oh, that very way I, I, I mean i have pulled out the jurassic her. park theme song preach
0: it brother that was what i was going to say
1: <laughs> preach it brother if i need if i need like a little fresh oh, yes. jolt of wonder if i need right? a little fresh jolt of uh of imagination and and childlike just awe, nostalgia. No- even. you know yeah that, absolutely that's, that's what then i me. will crank i will crank uh jurassic park Interestingly, I spent this is going to be I don't know, I don't know if this is this I don't know if we're taking too long on this, but <laughs> I spent an entire summer listening on, on almost on repeat listening to the soundtrack, the score from the movie The Fifth Element. Which is oh. a lesser-known Bruce Willis movie, uh, Bruce Willis and Mila Jovovich. I've
0: never heard of it.
1: Before. Oh my god! No, I have. I've oh. g- I'm
0: kidding, man. All right, I'm good. I was, I
1: was about to be like. Now, and it, our next episode will be about
0: <laughs> if you could if you could sing that song from Fifth Element, then I will officially be impressed.
1: <laughs> <laughs> I can.
0: But right, right. Um, yeah, I don't blame you for for playing that soundtrack. Cause but it, that it's
1: It's a really cool soundtrack. Mm-hmm. I listened to it all that summer, and so whenever I want to like go back and feel younger or feel you know like uh, kind of just that nostalgia, like mm-hmm. you said, mm-hmm. I will put that on, and I'm right back there. Uh, funny digression, since I I know we never <laughs> digress <laughs> in this in this. Podcast, but oh, come on, wrap um, it up
0: it Funny, up. <laughs>
1: funny little digression. the The job that I was working, where I got mm-hmm. to listen to the soundtrack over mm-hmm, and over mm-hmm, again, mm-hmm. because it was this. I think it was the summer that the movie came out. I love the movie, so I bought the soundtrack on CD, and I listened to it on my my Sony Discman. Ooh, yes, my my Check Sony Discman. For those of you who are younger and might not know, <laughs> compact. Di- no, I'm kidding. Um, I have a JVC equivalent. Okay. <laughs> What happened was for several years of my life, I had a recurring summer and Christmas break job at Whirlpool Financial National Bank, WFNB, in which I I, ran, I did a customer service job sitting in a cubicle, receiving phone calls. This will date me. All right, are you ready for this? This is the way it worked. If someone walked into a department store or like a big box store and wanted to buy either a Whirlpool appliance or like a Toro riding lawnmower, Mm -hmm. and they wanted to finance the purchase, they wanted financing for the appliance or the lawnmower or whatever, the the sales clerk in the store would have the person fill out on paper an application. Right. That sales clerk would then get on the phone, call Whirlpool Financial National Bank, talk to somebody in a cubicle like me, who would then type in to the (laughs) computer... The information of the applicant, and then the computer would spit back out the answer of yes, they've been approved for so and so a credit limit of credit, or they have not been approved. And that was my job. I was oh, basically my. like, like before the internet took away such a job, <laughs> that was my job. And what ended up happening was I did it enough uh, summers and Christmases, starting in high school and then through college. I did it enough that by the end of the job, I had approval to make my own decisions about their creditworthiness. Up to something like three grand, it was over three oh. grand, and the computer didn't decide. Then I then we had to ask somebody else. But I could actually approve or deny if the computer didn't huh. give an on, give an automatic yeah, I, response.
0: I, I do need a, a new set of uh, appliances <laughs> here, Jared. Can you help me out? Yeah, sure. Yeah, yeah I'll, <laughs> okay. I'll get on. Get,
1: I'll okay. get on the. I'll get on the phone to call uh, the the cubicle people. But <laughs> but what have But I think what happened was that the internet basically eliminated that job. So like I was in that mm-hmm. job one summer for like six weeks and then they fired all of us and mm. we were done. And it was already in the middle of the summer and I was like, oh crap, the summer's well underway. What kind of job am I gonna get? And so I went to a temp agency and the temp agency got me a job and this is this is the job finally closing this, this long digression circle. Uh, the job I did was I did second shift so 2 p.m. to midnight, right, 2 p.m. to midnight every weekday, I would sit in this huge room in this building feeding legal documents into scanners because we would scan these, mat- this, I, I remember like it was yesterday, this entire wall of this warehouse-sized room just having these Boxes of legal documents and these these like long rows of tables with computers and scanners to scan in the legal documents so that the these these law firms would have digital access oh to all my. their files. And so either my job was literally taking paper and feeding it into a high speed uh, scanner, or my job was to sit and look at the scans and like tap the button and look at them. To make sure oh that quality my. control was there, that no corners were cut off, and no, <laughs> and so to keep myself Fantastic. sane, uh, doing yeah. that for ten hours a night, I would so, listen to the Fifth Element soundtrack on my Sony Discman and just and sort of bliss out on remembering the movie.
0: And now we know what's happened to you, Jer. And <laughs> you know what? Speaking of music, did you ever uh, get the name of our of our theme music? That uh, the, the Composer
1: Adam Monroe.
0: Fabulous, Adam Monroe. Can we uh, can we have him play us in, please?
1: Yes, indeed. All right.
0: Like, that soundtrack, that's that's a lot of fun. That it's theme song, yeah. it never gets old. No, it doesn't get old. And uh, it's a good thing, too, because we're going to keep playing it over. I know. <laughs> <laughs> I'm kidding. This week, we were tasked with the Marvel Comic Universe Phase 2, Avengers
1: Age of Ultron. Now, for anybody jumping into Season 2, do we want to go back and do a little refresher of what the heck we mean by Phase 2? I think that would not go amiss. Alright, so, if you are not super familiar with MCU, the Marvel Cinematic Universe, and that kind of vocabulary... Uh, If you'd like a more full explanation, because I'm not going to do the whole thing again, but if you'd like a more full explanation, you can go back to our Season 1 episode about the Marvel Cinematic Universe origin stories and Phase 1, in which we talked about Iron Man, the original, the first Marvel Studios movie that kicked off the entire MCU. But just to keep it brief, the Marvel Cinematic Universe that uh, pioneered this idea of the same actors playing the same characters over the span of many movies to create a multi-movie story arc culminating in the cultural event that was Avengers Endgame, Avengers Infinity War and Avengers Endgame, part one and two of kind of the same story I would argue. The way the MCU or Marvel Studios organized those films uh, leading up to the big culmination is to call them phases and the phases generally referred to the movies that led up to avengers movies or team up movies in which multiple of the characters got together although that that began to break down in phase 3 a little bit but phase 1 was what was it six movies i think phase mm-hmm. 2 were the next six movies mm-hmm, and then mm-hmm, they had some mm-hmm. shorts in there and then in phase 3 i think that might be when they start branching out and including in their phases not only movies but also TV shows mm-hmm. that they then streamed on Disney Plus, etc uh, etc. Et so today, we are talking specifically about Phase 2 of the Marvel Cinematic Universe, which included... I don't have it in front of I, me, so... I have it. Oh, go.
0: Is it, ooh. Thor The Dark World, Iron Man 3, Captain America The Winter Soldier, Guardians of the Galaxy, Avengers Age of Ultron, and...
1: Ant-Man 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 We love ourselves some Ant-Man
0: Paul Rudd is amazing, isn't he?
1: Yes, indeed
0: I would marry him, but my wife would be upset
1: <laughs> His wife might be upset, too
0: Probably, but I'm not concerned about that <laughs> Alright, good, good for you,
1: good for you So today, for Phase 2, we spun the wheel and it landed on Age of Ultron So we're mm-hmm. going to begin with our discussion of Age of Ultron And then because this is a quintessential episode What does that mean, Jeremy? quintessential
0: means that it it is a a, an episode or a film in a franchise that that embodies the spirit wholeheartedly of that franchise so if if someone were to ask you know ask me hey i want to know what this franchise is about or this particular part of the franchise is about what what's one thing that you could point to to say yep that's
1: it right there and that is what
0: quintessential
1: means, in a nutshell. For this kind of episode, a Mm -hmm. quintessential episode, both Jeremy and I, independent of each other and not giving each other any kind of hints or spoilers, have chosen what we believe to be the quintessential either film or part or scene or something from the MCU Phase 2, for the quintessential MCU in Phase 2. But first... Let's, uh, Let's give a little quick rundown of the
0: film here. We are, of course, talking about Avengers Age of Ultron. This is the second Avengers movie. It is starring... We have Robert Downey Jr. as Iron Man, Chris Evans as Captain America. That's America's behind right there. Mark Ruffalo as Bruce Banner.
1: (laughs) I like how you cleaned up the language since Age of Ultron begins with a, a Language. That long last is lasting a little long, boys.
2: Yeah, I think we lost the element of surprise.
0: Wait a second. No one else is going to deal with the fact that Cap just said language?
2: I know.
1: Find the septum. And for gosh sake, watch your language. That's not going away anytime soon. (laughs) Yeah. I'm glad you
0: got that. Uh, Chris Hemsworth as Thor. He, he he hurts a lot, so he's a little Thor. Mm. Uh, Scarlett Johansson is Natasha Romanoff. Jeremy Renner as Clint Barton. For Ultron, we have James Spader, and the amazing Samuel L. Jackson as Nick Fury. Dude, he rocks. Don Cheadle is James Rhodes. Aaron Taylor Johnson is Pietro Maximoff. Elizabeth Olsen of the famous Olsens is Wanda Maximoff. Paul Bettany as Jarvis, also as Vision. And, and then, you know, some, some cameos from other ones here. We've got uh, Co- uh, Kobe Smulders, who is Maria Hill. Uh, Anthony Mackie, who is, uh, of course, Falcon. Falcon. Idris Elba, he, he has a cameo in there. And, and some info facts for Age of Ultron. It was released a May 1st, 2015 in the United States with a budget of $250 million estimated, a gross worldwide take of $1.542 billion, a runtime of 2 hours and 21 minutes. We know we've been doing the movies in minutes as far as our synopses, but we wanted to try something else. This is Movie Spoiler Alerts, and I think you'll enjoy it.
2: Hello, and welcome to another episode of Movie Spoiler Alerts. Today we are talking about the 2015 superhero film, Avengers Age of Ultron. So let's get started. This summary relies in part that you have seen the previous films. If you would like to see a summary, check out the links below. The film opens with the Avengers raiding a Hydra facility in Sokovia, commanded by Baron Wolfgang von Strucker, who has been experimenting on humans using the scepter previously wielded by Loki. They encounter test-subjects Pietro and Wanda Maximoff, who are Quicksilver and Scarlet Witch, as well as apprehending Strucker and Loki's scepter. As a quick side note, these are actually the kids of Magneto from the X-Men universe, but due to licensing issues, they cannot refer to this. Stark and Banner, the Hulk, discover an artificial intelligence within the Scepter's gem and secretly use it to complete Stark's Ultron Global Defense Program. It creates a sentient being who believes he must eradicate humanity to save Earth. It destroys Stark's AI Jarvis and attacks the Avengers at their headquarters. Ultron escapes with the Scepter and uses the resources at the Hydra base to upgrade his body and build an army of robot drones. Having killed Strucker, he recruits the Maximoff siblings and sets off to obtain Runconda Vibranium. The Avengers arrive and attack Ultron, but the Scarlet Witch subdues them with haunting visions. The team goes into hiding at a safe house, reeling from the visions. Thor departs to consult Dr. Eric Selvig on the meaning of the apocalyptic future he saw in his hallucination. Nick Fury arrives and encourages the rest of the team not to break apart and to form a plan to stop Ultron. Meanwhile, Ultron forces the team's friend Dr. Helen Cho to use her synthetic tissue technology together with the vibranium and the scepter's gem to perfect a new body for him. As Ultron uploads himself into the body, the Scarlet Witch reads his mind. Discovering his plan for human extinction, the Maximoff siblings turn against Ultron. Some of the team find Ultron and retrieve the synthetic body, but Ultron captures Black Widow. The team fight amongst themselves while Stark secretly uploads Jarvis, who hid from Ultron inside the internet, into the synthetic body. Thor returns to help activate the body, explaining that the gem on its brow is one of the six infinity stones and was part of his vision. This vision and the Maximoff siblings accompany the Avengers return to Sokovia where Ultron has used the remaining vibranium to build a machine to lift a large part of the capital skyward, intending to crash it into the ground to cause global extinction. Banner rescues Black Widow while the Avengers fight Ultron's army, Fury and others evacuate civilians. Quicksilver dies when he shields Hawkeye from gunfire. An eventual Scarlet Witch abandons her post to destroy Ultron's primary body, which allows one of his drones to activate the machine. The city plummets, but Stark and Thor overload the machine and shatter the landmass. In the aftermath, the Hulk departs while the Vision confronts Ultron's last remaining body. Later, the Avengers establish a new base. Thor returns to Asgard, Stark leaves, Hawkeye retires, and Captain America with Black Widow prepare to train new Avengers. In a mid-credits scene, we see Thanos vow to retrieve the Infinity Stones for himself, hinting at the next Avengers film. So that was the spoilers for Avengers Age of Ultron. If you have a film you would like to see me spoil, please let me know in the comments below. Remember to like and subscribe and visit us on our various forms of social media.
0: And that was a very excellent synopsis by our friends over at Movie Spoiler Alerts. Um, We will have a link in the description of today's episodes. So go check them out. Some really, really good stuff on their channel. So Jerry, how was your rewatch reaction to Age of
1: Ultron? All right, so my rewatch reaction, of course is couched in the fact that it is a sequel, mm-hmm, right? Mm-hmm. The fact that it is basically like Avengers 2. Yeah, right, yes, yes. Um, and I don't think in Infofax we mentioned, though, that Avengers of Ultron is not only directed by, but also this time written oh, yeah, by Joss right. Whedon. My apologies, the same Joss Whedon. <laughs> the same director no, of Marvel's Man. The Avengers, mm-hmm. uh, the first Avengers movie. So as a sequel, of course... I had to uh, I had my eye on it according to my philosophy of sequels elaborated in our season one episode <laughs> about sequels, series, and uh, whatchamaha- uh, whatchamaha- uh call <laughs> um what was it? Trilogies, right? Yep. Yeah, sequels, yeah. trilogies, and series, in which I expounded at length, and if you want to uh, hear me expound at great length about it go back to that season one episode my theory on sequels is sequels work well if the identity identifiers Mm -hmm. from the first film the 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 things that made the first film really work the characteristics if enough of them are present in the second film to make it recognizably connected to the first one you know a Mm -hmm. sequel to it but Enough is also different from the first film that it feels fresh and new. And not either a complete retread mm-hmm. or something that is mm-hmm, completely mm-hmm. new and different and not really a sequel. Right. And so with that, with those eyes, that was one set of eyes that I used. I have another <laughs> set of eyes too. But for this set of eyes, in watching Age of Ultron this time... I thought and and that's why I made a point of the fact that Joss Whedon who directed the yes. first one wrote and directed the second one because I think he he knew enough of those identity identifiers to really pull it together. So as I as I as I did before in season 1 I'm going to do again. I'm going to list what I think are the identity identifiers for the Avengers movies, mm-hmm. and see if you see if I see if you can either spot any I missed, or if okay. you disagree with any, etc. Okay. So fire away. First, first conflict within the team. These person, these people's personalities do not mesh. You know, without mm. some friction, without some mm-hmm. argument, mm-hmm. without without some some difficulty, there needs to be an amazing comic book uh, moment with all of them on screen. You know, in the first <laughs> Avengers the, movie, yep. it was the iconic circle around the five of them in a circle as they're all sort of looking looking up and they're all sort of arriving in this little circle right before Cap gives his orders in the on the streets of new york in this one they do it right off the jump which i thought was really interesting that joss whedon was like okay it's an avengers movie here's your moment right right? and and right in the first moments when mm -hmm. they're attacking the strucker base there's this wonderful moment where the film literally like slows down yes so it's like okay here it is take your picture right (laughs) take your screen grab where all all five or six of them are lined up Jumping over something, so like the the Black Widow's like got her martial arts (laughs) kick, and the cap and Cap is on his motorcycle, and Iron Man is flying, and the Hulk is leaping, and they're all leaping over something about to attack more people. (laughs) You know when I saw that scene, (laughs) the the only thing I could think is and roll credits. (laughs) That's right. (laughs) That's right. That's right. There's a huge action set piece in which they're all fighting a large scale enemy. Mm-hmm. So in the first movie it was the aliens. Mm-hmm. In this movie, in an Edge of Ultron, there are two of them. There's the Strucker base in the mm-hmm. first, in mm-hmm. the beginning, and then there's the Ultron robots at the end. Right, world-ending stakes. In other words, the world will come to an end if the Avengers do not succeed. So world-ending stakes. Yes. Second, uh, next, character development through picking at weak points. Specifically, their past traumas and the Hulk. Mm. (laughs) So, (laughs) the Hulk is a past trauma. Well, yes, yes. (laughs) But it is also kind of a weak point in the team in these early days of the Hulk because both in the first movie, Loki tries to provoke the Hulk to, you know, rip Mm -hmm. apart the helicarrier. And in the second movie, the Hulk goes crazy because of Scarlet Witch, uh, turning her on, bringing us the wonderful Veronica Hulkbuster armor sequence. Then there was. Uh, then I think another identity identifier is self-deprecating humor. Mm, yeah. Um, another little digression because I can't help myself. Uh, I think this is where Joss Whedon got himself into trouble directing the Justice League movie mm-hmm. because when he was brought in very last minute to replace the director Zack Snyder, uh, Joss Whedon's sensibilities lend itself to humor. He tried to inject some humor into the Justice League movie. But it was the DNA of that movie did not accept it, and and like a like a like a tran like an organ transplant that wouldn't take. Uh, it was it was rejected by the audience as well, and that's why that movie has such controversy. And there's now a four-hour Zack Snyder cut of that movie in existence. <laughs> right. But I digress. I think another piece of an Avengers movie is a charismatic villain. I think the mm-hmm. villain has to be sort of likable enough that you can if not root for him and agree with him you can at least uh, enjoy watching him on screen mm-hmm. and I think both Loki and and James Spader's performance I mean chef's gifts—yeah, oh, on, course, on the, the voice of Ultron charismatic villain another one that I thought of right when uh, during the the synopsis an Avenger turns from bad side to good side oh, and yeah. that yeah. that at least for these first two. I don't know if that carries through the rest of the Avengers movies. I think most of these carry through through most of the Avengers movies, but uh, in slightly different ways. But for these two movies, I think that's the list of identity identifiers. Now, to make a good sequel, though, it also has to be different enough mm-hmm. that it's not just a retread. And I think the differences between first Avengers and uh, an Ultron are obviously the villain motivation is completely flipped so instead of taking over the earth he literally wants to destroy it in this one there was the birth of new avengers mm-hmm. three of them right in the avengers movie second another difference is one of them dies right yeah. quicksilver dies in the end mm-hmm. and then mm-hmm. another another way it's different is hawkeye has a family Uh, a wife and kids, and that brings a whole new dynamic into the mix. That that Um, shows
0: up much, much later on in the series, too.
1: Yeah, yeah. For me, I think it is a very successful sequel. I I so enjoy it. I will be honest, I think I have probably watched Age of Ultron more than I have the first ones. Really? Because I think it has the benefit, it can just jump right into the action and start the story. Without all the table setting of characters having to meet, it's kind of like it's mm -hmm, kind of like in in a TV show where if you re watch episodes of a TV show, it's rarely the pilot because the pilot episode has all that table setting where the characters have to meet each other. Yeah, the Uh, pilots uh, tend to be clunky, too, a a a little bit. Yeah, because it's kind of figuring everybody's figuring out the vibe and everything else. Mm -hmm, I mm -hmm. think the first Avengers movie doesn't suffer from much of that. Mm-hmm. But I think this movie it just it's just all clicking and humming right along. Right. So that I'm pretty sure I've watched this one more than I have the first one.
0: Okay, very so cool.
1: So I so that that's that's my first reaction. I have one other, okay. but it might come up later. So I'll uh and I've been talking for a long ass time. So <laughs> What was Language. your rewatch reaction?
0: <laughs> I I love the Marvel films. Overall I do. Overall I do. However, when, when you're watching it for a specific purpose rather than just the sake of enjoying it, you do tend to look at things a little bit differently. My rewatch reaction... So you put on your
1: critic glasses? I put on
0: my critic glasses with it. <laughs> and first and foremost, that, that scene where they're all lined up and it's, uh-huh. it's just that perfect uh-huh. camera shot and you're just yep. like, roll credits, uh-huh. you know? Uh-huh. Uh-huh. Um, I enjoyed that. I enjoyed the fight scenes. Uh, I enjoyed the action scenes. I also enjoyed the interaction scenes. What I didn't necessarily enjoy was the overall premise of Ultron, or the way not not the premise of Ultron, but the way that it was handled with him. It seemed very, very tropey. You know what I mean? So it's No, it's tell the, me more. Are you talking so I'm talking, talking about, about like his the, origin, like where no, he no, came no, no, from, no. or are you talking the, about his yeah,
1: villain motivation?
0: The the villain motivation, okay. the AI, that that kind of thing where uh, an AI comes in and supposedly with the best of intentions of their creator and you know I mean we're going all the way back to Isaac Asimov with this right you know, where yeah. uh with the three laws and things like that but then you have it see the negative things in the world and says well the only thing that can fix this is just you know what let's start over from scratch you know not even Noah's Ark kind of thing let's just Extinction
1: level and go for try yeah, again.
0: Yeah, and and I mean it's it's been done and done and done and done and done, and that's that's the only thing that really caught me with it is just being like, oh, this is a fairly tired story, but it was a well done tired story. <laughs> so, uh-huh. and uh-huh. I think I would not have enjoyed it as much had it not been for. Honestly, an amazing cast. Mm-hmm. And mm-hmm. I mean, the, the casting is amazing all the way from that you have Nick Fury, uh, Samuel L. Jackson, who, you know, has five minutes
1: in it, uh-huh. yeah.
0: to the whole interaction with with Iron Man and Captain America. And you can see that friction starting to build up. Like I noticed it from the very beginning when they were coming back from the fortress after that initial scene where Tony Stark says I'm not the boss talk to Captain you know and it it, it sounded almost a little I bit I just pay for bitter, everything design everything right? make yeah. everything
1: look cooler but he <laughs> I the make one it look charge. cooler
0: yeah but he's the one in charge and he almost sounded maybe it's just me maybe he sounded a little bit bitter about it
2: Lab's all set up,
0: boss.
1: Oh, actually, he's the boss. I just pay for everything and design everything and make everyone look cooler.
0: Where, of course, that big of a personality has to be large and in charge. But I think ultimately he also does realize that he is not the best person to run the Avengers organization. And he might be bitter about that, too.
1: Well, I mentioned so, before that I had I watched this with two sets mm-hmm. of lenses. The second set of lenses that I that I mentioned before was my eyes were about the the broader the place of this mm-hmm, movie in the mm-hmm. broader MCU. Yes, right in yes. in the in the and specifically in the Infinity Saga. Mm-hmm. Right, so Phase One through I think it's four is the Infinity Saga yes. that ends with uh, you know Inf- uh, Infinity War and Endgame. and. This movie plays a really important sort of point, like pivot Mm -hmm. point, in the telling of the Infinity Saga, and you can tell that Marvel knew it because they injected enough what I'm going to call seeds mm-hmm, of mm-hmm. what then comes to fruition yes. in the second, in, in in phase three and phase four into this movie. And I think some of them I really enjoyed mm-hmm. and I thought were really well done. And some of them I did not. I right. thought was not good, right? and And I think that most fans who have looked into this know what I'm talking about in that I think the bad was the whole Thor subplot. With Dr. Selvig, with, his visions, with yeah. the visions. Yeah. It was, I have heard that behind the scenes, it was Kevin Feige and Marvel Studios who demanded that Joss Whedon shoehorn that in, mm-hmm. even though Joss Whedon didn't want it in because it didn't really fit the that's, story. Yeah. It didn't really, so That's why it totally, felt like it was kinda, different.
0: Yeah, kind of shoehorned in there. Yeah, like, absolutely. it didn't exactly fit the narrative. Yeah, yeah. But,
1: but the studio wanted enough... Infinity Stones stuff, yes, yes. so that the mid-credit scene that our synopsis mentioned, and other things, and mm-hmm. table setting for future movies. You know, kind of that that all those things were there. I think I think there was a mistake for this for the studio to demand putting that in there because I think there was plenty of other stuff in there that mm-hmm. table set good. I mean, the seeds of of civil war are there. You can was, totally see it. I think when when tony demands to play mad scientist Mm -hmm. the fact that he creates ultron and then the fact that he that he and Bennett go back and create vision yeah both times without telling the team what they were doing or why or what was going on
2: you want me to help you put jarvis into this thing no of course not i want to help you put jarvis in this thing
1: we're out of my field here you know bioorganics better than anyone
2: and you just assume that Jarvis's operational matrix can beat Ultron's? Jarvis has
0: been beating him from inside without knowing it. This is the opportunity. We can create Ultron's perfect self without the homicidal glitches he thinks are his winning personality. We have
1: to. I believe it's worth a go.
0: I'm, I'm in a loop. I'm caught in a time loop. This is exactly where it all went I know, wrong. I know. I know what everyone's gonna say, but they're already saying it. We're mad scientists. We're monsters, buddy. we have gotta own it. Make a stand.
1: It's not a loop. It's the end of the line. I think that is Tony's fear of failure and mm-hmm. fear of, of the threat against humanity and his need to solve it by himself. I think mean, that's the big ego I, that you were you talking know, was- about. And that is the seed of the whole rest of the Infinity Saga.
0: I was going to say, actually, you know, uh, Age of Ultron is not a prequel for the next Avengers film. That's right. It is not a prequel for the, the Avengers the, movie yeah. that is a
1: prequel for Infinity War is Civil War, which exactly. is a Captain America so, movie.
0: right, and and it it is Age of Ultron is a prequel for Civil War. Yeah, it, it really yes, is. That's right. That's right. Um, and even though it's it's under the Captain America badge, it's not. It's it's really an Avengers civil war, mm-hmm, you know? Mm-hmm, yeah. um, but that's that's a tale for another time. What I really did like, honestly, I I, I have a love for Paul Bettany. Yeah. You know? He yes. he's one of those actors that's kind of a feel-good actor to me, and that uh-huh, that goes uh-huh. way back. I I really love Vision as a character, especially having seen WandaVision, which oh, yeah. I loved WandaVision. Yeah. I thought it was great. Well, I mean, it the, didn't last the fact
1: that Scarlet Witch and Vision are both birthed yes. in this movie is one of the most significant seeds for what happens yeah. afterwards. No, because they become such a big part of what happens after, even into, even beyond the Infinity Saga. Because WandaVision kicked mm-hmm. off Phase mm-hmm. Five yes. after. You know, that yeah. was the first TV show yeah. they released, and there were other reasons for that. But we'll come back yeah. to that another time. My- my big gripe about the movie, my total big gripe about this. And
0: I know that there is nothing really that they could have done about this was the fact that Quicksilver was just a flash in the pan. (laughs) You know, (laughs) I mean, pardon the pun. He was, he was, he was there. And then he wasn't is this amazing dynamic character. You know, that I don't think that they explored enough or they could have explored enough. And I do know, you know, especially having read some of the stuff that went on behind the scenes that there was that whole contention with the X-Men universe and uh, the, the Disney MCU uh, that they really couldn't. And uh, they they had to not bring up the origins of Scarlet Witch and uh, Quicksilver as, as far as their relation to... Uh, X Men, but I would love to see X Men uh, also, you know, kind of be brought into this fold. And I know that
1: it's not really—it's coming, it's coming, it's coming, it's they're, coming, they're coming. but it's
0: sort of—it's coming. They're the, slow rolling it. The, the other, the other thing about this is, the other thing about this is that I honestly, so I'm saddened every time I watch an Avengers or an MCU film that there is no Hulk movie.
2: Oh, there, there is the Hulk the, movie, the yes,
0: original yes, Hulk movie yes. with Edward Norton, but and I love Edward Norton, and mm-hmm. I I believe I've said this before. Mm-hmm. Edward Norton wasn't the best uh, of of in you know Bruce he was Banner.
1: Not Hulk. your favorite,
0: not my favorite. Mark Ruffalo, he is the Hulk. I'm sorry, he is the Hulk. Uh huh. He is Bruce Banner. He's got the mannerisms. He's got the acting. He's got the the personality of. Bruce Banner and does an amazing Hulk. And I know that they've hinted at doing a World War Hulk, but that's not, not currently being explored. Mm -hmm. They've done like She-Hulk, uh, Attorney at Law and, and the various other things. And they kind of had him in Thor Ragnarok and, and, you know, that kind of thing, which was fun. Yep. And I love his character development. Yep. Gladiator Hulk. And I love his character development throughout the entire MCU phases But there's still no Hulk individual film.
1: Yeah, I think, thinking about it, I mean, other than Thor, there's really not a character who has gone through as many iterations as the Hulk, you know, between Mm -hmm, there's mm -hmm. the original Hulk, then there's... Then there's Gladiator Hulk, then there's Smart Hulk, then there's, you know, yeah. and, and even even to the point where they make fun of it yes. in Endgame <laughs> where, where where Smart Hulk looks embarrassed by the Hulk mm. from the original movie, you know. Yeah. Oh,
0: don't, don't, show, don't show my cutscenes there, you know. Uh-huh. <laughs> Overall, rewatch reaction, I will gladly watch it again. I had fun with it. And I know I use that phrase a lot, that it's fun, and and that's but that's really isn't that what movies and nerddom is really all about? Well, it's yeah. Fun. If, if
1: we didn't have fun watching these things, why would we watch them? You know, <laughs> why would we love them? You know, if they weren't right? fun. Yeah, exactly. I there's exactly. a there's a yeah there's I will confess I could never be like a professional movie critic because I I don't enjoy watching for watching sake or for critique sake mm-hmm. things that are not fun. I'm, yeah. like, I'm like, I, the world is scad and sad and scary and depressing yeah, enough and without having to add <laughs> my, my feeling depressed with the things that I'm watching in a movie theater with. You know? <laughs>
0: yeah, I'm cynical enough without being more cynical. <laughs> so that brings us to our quintessential... Marvel film. Now, we, the only discussion that Jerry and I had about this is whether we were going to encompass the entirety of the MCU or whether we're going to limit it to Phase 2. And I thought just to make this a little bit more interesting and a little bit more thought-provoking for us, and possibly for you, is to limit us
1: to the uh, Phase 2. And I immediately broke that rule. <laughs> oh, <laughs> dang I couldn't do it. I couldn't. All right. Cut. Cut. All right. So do you want me to go first or second? Because I. I No, go ahead. Go first. first. All right. So here's the the thing. Here's what happened. As I'm sitting down and I'm thinking hard, what is quintessential phase two MCU? So I'm looking at the movies Mm -hmm. and I'm replaying all the movies in my head. The conclusion, the only conclusion I could come up with was that quintessential, that, that that the MCU phase two itself is quintessential MCU. Oh, of course. yeah. Right. Yeah. Is, is, uh, the, the, it's the, the only whole. thing I could come up with uh, the whole, because I think, I think it is, I think phase two is the epitome of the archetype. It is the, the best of what made the MCU so successful mm-hmm. and why there's been a lot of MCU backlash and talk of superhero fatigue and all the kind of things that have led to a lessening of box office and all of that kind of stuff. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. I think that, that phase two was is quintessential MCU and I want to bring four, um, I brought four examples <laughs> okay. to sort of make that point or to argue for that point, right? Mm-hmm. So number one, Iron Man 3 it was the first movie in phase two mm-hmm. it is dare I say it my favorite Iron Man movie no, um,
0: that's, that's perfectly alright because
1: right. what I love about it is it flips the script on Iron Man twice and what I mean by that is for most of the movie of mm-hmm. Iron Man 3 Iron Man is without his armor mm-hmm. and, and, and is like really lacking and struggling with having much of any technology at all I need the armor, where
0: are we at with it? Uh, it's not charging. It's questionable about electricity. All right, it's my suit, and then I can't, I'm not gonna. I don't wanna.
2: Oh, God. Are, are you having another
0: attack? I didn't even mention New York. Yeah, right, and then you just said it by name while breathe. denying having said it. Please, You're a mechanic, right? Why don't you just build something?
1: Okay. And and that's a flipped script on the idea of Iron Man. And then at the very end of the movie, he has like a ridiculous number of suits of armor, which is another <laughs> important plot point of the movie itself. And then uh, and uh, you know and so that's a flipped script a second time. It flips its own script of it goes from like no armor for most of the movie to like tons of different suits of armor which is awesome but the whole of Iron Man 3 keeps it super grounded in the story itself is really all about Tony dealing with the PTSD from mm-hmm. the first Avengers movie from mm-hmm. from like facing his own death mm-hmm. in being willing to fly the nuke up into the you know into the uh, the wormhole. The idea of taking a whole movie mm-hmm. to deal with a superhero's psychological and emotional response to the experiences that that he's had, I think that's really smart, really good storytelling. It, it, it reinforces the humanity and the vulnerability of these superheroes, and sort of is, an, is a nice echo to the first Iron Man movie that kicked off the entirety of the MCU, and I think the groundedness in reality and in humanity is one of the things that makes the MCU so great, and is quintessential. Second, My second instance is Winter Soldier. Mm -hmm. Winter Soldier is a paranoid spy flick. And I absolutely (laughs) love the fact that Steve and Widow are on the run together. And they grow close through their shared loneliness. Again, a lot of humanity Mm. in exploring the characters Mm -hmm. of, you know, Mm -hmm. Widow feels lonely because she is a spy she can't trust anyone she doesn't really know anyone no one really knows her because her her whole history her whole upbringing Mm -hmm. everything Mm -hmm. is shrouded Mm -hmm. in secrecy and she can't tell anybody about it and steve feels radically lonely because he's the man out of time he's you know his whole world is dead and gone and he has to grieve for it and is thrown into this new where did captain america
2: learn how to steal a car Nazi Germany, hmm. and we're borrowing. Take your feet off the dash. All right,
0: I have a question for you, uh, which you do not have to answer.
2: I feel like if you don't answer it though,
0: you're kind of answering it, you know? What? Was that your first kiss since 1945?
2: That bad, huh? I didn't say that. Well, it kind of sounds like that's what you're saying.
0: No, I didn't. I just wondered how much practice you pra- had. You don't
2: need practice. Everybody
0: needs practice. It was not my
2: first kiss since 1945. I'm 95. I'm not dead.
1: Nobody special, though?
2: <laughs> Believe it or not, it's kind of hard to find someone with shared life experience.
0: Well, it's all right. You just make something up. What, like you? I don't know. The truth is a matter of circumstance. It's not all things to all people, all the time. Right.
1: Neither am I.
2: It's a tough way to live.
1: It's a good way not to die, though.
2: You know, it's kind of hard to trust someone when you don't know who that someone really is. Yeah.
0: Who do you want me to be? How about a friend? Well, there's a chance you might be in the wrong business, Rogers.
1: This new world that is all about paranoia and and mm-hmm, can't mm-hmm. trust anybody. And and so even the comfort of being able to take orders from superiors goes away because uh, come to find out that everything is upside down in, in Winter Soldier. So mm-hmm. paranoid spy flick, but again grounded that humanity. Guardians of the Galaxy. Yeah. Cosmic Marvel debut. You know, because there's a there's a whole subgenre of Marvel that's like cosmic Marvel that's outer space, you know, and and that's a wonderful combination of giant space battles, and then the the wonderful silly snark of the fate of the world comes down to a (laughs) dance-off. Right. You know what I mean? And so and Come and, come on. People of Xander The time has come to rejoice and renounce your paltry gods. Your salvation is at
0: hand. Be yeah! Ooh,
1: child, things are gonna get easier. Ooh, child, things will get brighter. Listen to these words. Ooh, child. Things are gonna get easier,
0: ooh, child. Things will get brighter. Then bring it down hard. Sunday. We'll put it together. We'll
1: what are you doing?
0: Dance off, bro. Me and you. Come on. Subtle. Take it back. What are you doing? I'm distracting you, you big turd blossom.
1: <laughs> but again, <laughs> all grounded in, you know, the whole thing is sort of grounded in Peter Quill's humanity mm-hmm. and, and 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 all of that. <laughs> and then finally, number four, Ant-Man. Coming yeah. after Age of Ultron is the first heist comedy film in the MCU. Mm-hmm. So phase two is just peak genre exploration within the MCU in which all these they're all superhero movies but they're all movies of different genres that use different <laughs> tropes right. you know from the from the preparation montage of Ant-Man and his crew preparing to to uh, pr- you know planning the heist of the yellow jacket from from the lab to the superhero learning his learning his skills montage, that's hilarious when like he suddenly bursts out of the ground, becoming big again. That was a lot scarier a second ago.
2: Paratrochina longicornis commonly known as crazy ants. They're lightning fast and can conduct electricity, which makes them useful to fry out enemy electronics. Well, they're not so
1: crazy.
0: Hey! You're
2: cute.
1: That was a lot scarier a second ago. You know? And, and just the humor and the the, the comedy chops that, that uh, Paul Rudd brings to it. It's just, I think Phase 2 is where the idea that superhero movies could be more than action-adventure, mm-hmm. and yet all of them are grounded in very human storytelling mm. and very character driven storytelling i think that is where that is quintessential mcu in the way that it it gets much harder to to tell that to have that kind of down to earth human storytelling even in outer space when you get into things like Multiverse crossovers, other actors, and you know, all that kind of stuff. I am hoping that the MCU kind of finds its way back to the basics right. of that kind of storytelling. Uh, having introduced the craziness mm-hmm. of the mm-hmm. multiverse and actor, different actors playing the same characters and all that kind of stuff. I hope they get back to the character-driven humanity, human storytelling. Even though I enjoy the hell out of all the crazy multiversal silliness, <laughs> that, that but real, but 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 I I couldn't pick one moment. In the mm. MCU to be quintessential uh, in Phase Two to be quintessential, because I think the Phase Two itself as a collection <laughs> is quintessential MCU. I, so I yeah, I, I immediately broke so, all the rules.
0: First of all, shame on you. If, I, if I take I had known, that. I if, take that. If if I had known that you were going to do that to me, I will accept as, as fifty a,
1: lashes with a, a wet noodle. It's a,
0: it's a betrayal, chair. It's a betrayal.
1: No, but until uh, so I get the so, sad music out.
0: Yes. Yes. <laughs> That's that's almost exactly it. Why I had such a difficult time coming up with the quintessential Marvel Phase Two, and ultimately, I stayed on on assignment with this. And and um, I'm actually going
1: to go with Age of Ultron. And really, okay, yeah, All right. so interesting. So there's, interesting. there's
0: a reason behind this,
1: especially since so, your critic's eye kind of came away a little bit jaded yeah a little bit not not thrilled so right
0: so explain this choice the reason is is because it encompasses exactly what number one what we expect out of marvel as far as a a a well done well directed well portrayed story Mm -hmm. uh at the same time it it shows exactly what the avengers are and it also sets it up for the idea farther down the line that the avengers isn't necessarily these people yes it's uh-huh. not yep. it, it's not just iron man it's not just captain america it's not just black widow it's not not just yep. thor it's not yep. just hulk it's not just hawkeye you know those those six people are not the avengers they are a part of the Avengers, but they are, you know, they are not the Avengers. The Avengers is an ever changing group. It's, it's a, it's a moniker for the group, not for the individuals in the group. It's an idea. It's an idea. Yeah. Not, not to be too cliche about it. It is an idea. And you see that, that every Marvel film uh, or every Avengers film after that, they are adding to and taking away characters. At the very end, you have... Uh, at the very, very end of the film, it ends with Steve up there saying, Avengers...
1: I and, was just thinking and, about how wonderful the movie is because it teases up twice. I felt like twice, twice it yes. teases up from the and, comic books. Yes. Everyone was waiting everyone who knows the comics at all, as you, as they were watching phase one, phase two, phase three, were waiting for that iconic line, Avengers assemble, and- And they don't do they it! They don't do it! They, they don't, don't do give it. it to you! And, and I that, thought it was that's... twice. The first time in the movie, I felt it was Tony. Yeah. Tony goes, Avengers, time to go to work.
0: Rhodey, get the rest of the people on board that carrier. On it. Avengers, time to work for a living.
1: Or something <laughs> like that, you know. Time to do our job, and it was like, oh, was that? Oh, ooh, ooh that was close. He's, he's, gonna it, then, he's gonna say it. He's gonna say it. He's gonna you say know it, and then at the he very end it. of the movie, and when Cap says Avengers, ah, uh, and you what? can see his mouth form the ah,
2: and then. Want to keep staring at the wall, or do you want to go to work? I mean, it's a pretty interesting wall.
1: I thought you and Tony were still gazing into each other's eyes.
0: How do we look?
2: Well, we're not the twenty-seven Yankees.
0: We got some headers.
2: They're good. They're not a team
0: let's beat him into shape
2: Avengers
1: crash cut to the credits and like like I remember in the theater going Oh, god But at the same time, look at who was actually assembled there. Right, yeah. It wasn't Tony. Well, he and Widow just yep. had a conversation. Yep. You know, we, they're a little ragged, work? they're not a team yet, but yeah. we'll, we'll whip a we'll, little training, we'll whip them into shape. It was, look
0: at, look at who it was, though. Yeah. The only two people that were part of the original six yeah. was Captain America yep. and Black Widow. Yep. And that was yep. it. Yep, yep. You... You didn't have Hulk, yep. you didn't have Iron Man, yep. but that sets it up for the expectation that the audience would get what they were going for. That the Avengers, it, it, in a, in a way, better than than kind of forcing that in is not. You know, the Avengers is is an ideal. It's not the you know. It's right, not a group. Right. It's the ideal. It's classic
1: that, show, not tell. Yes, it's show, show not, not tell. tell. Exactly.
0: Yeah better than they could have ever
1: explained. Mm-hmm. Yep. It also yep. which is which is which is perfect because it does two things at once. One, it provides fan service to mm-hmm. the comic fans who yes. know that's how the Avengers works that the Avengers is always a, a rotating group of superheroes yeah. that that is and, different depending yes, on the circumstances. Yes. And so it's fan service to them while simultaneously gently easing non-comics fans into the idea that it's something bigger than this this group of six people and
0: it it also has this way of keeping the stories fresher you know Mm -hmm. because if you just saw the same group of six you you, all right well we know what's gonna happen now you (laughs) know
1: but they also the dare i say it, it expands the Marvel Cinematic Universe. The universe. <laughs>
0: but it, it also it also has every element from each of the other films in phase two. It has the humor. It has the sandpaper. And by what I mean by sandpaper, it's yeah. that you know the friction you, between the, friction, the characters. But the friction isn't just for the sake of friction. Right. You know? Yeah. You have you have that friction as almost a polishing it also is a way of exposing the other
1: raw parts of these characters. that simultaneously and, is good storytelling yes. and plants the seeds for later. Exactly. You know, I'm thinking about exactly. like like when Tony and Steve are, are chopping wood, mm-hmm. you know, and Tony's like, I don't trust a guy who doesn't have a dark side. That's exactly. That's kind of, that's the prequel to the Civil War conflict. Oh, yeah. Of, exactly. Exactly. You know, of Tony's so- like, I don't know that we should be in charge of everything and cap is like i'm the only one i trust you know and so yeah
0: yeah and, and and so it 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 has a way of bringing continuity which has been a hallmark of marvel in in so many of its films and its television shows is bringing that continuity and i think one of the reasons why the newer films aren't necessarily landing the same punches that the earlier films did is because they are branching off in directions that don't necessarily flow back as well into the the core of the MCU. You know what I mean? I do. I so, I've, and I've been thinking
1: about I've been thinking along the same lines in terms of the criticism that the MCU has gotten over the phases and the movies and and things since the end of Endgame. Mm-hmm. I, and the reason end, Infinity War and Endgame were so world-breakingly successful I think is because that infinity saga had one story that there was one story Mm -hmm, that mm -hmm. they were aiming for in other words they knew from you know from very early on they knew that getting to thanos and the infinity stones and the gauntlet and all of that that was where they were headed yeah that's that's my quintessential all right I, I I'm down with that I'm okay. down with that I I see I see your points
0: brings us to one of my favorite parts of our episodes mostly because I, I love the interactions and the fun times that we have here so
1: oh don't I, be coy you uh, like embarrassing me I do you <laughs> like embarrassing me too yes yes I do so,
0: so today, for our little fun segment, I have something I like to call MCU Jeopardy. <laughs> now we have we have three classifications, and uh, you know, of course, the the usual format where you know uh, you have to answer in the form of, of a question. question. Now all right. this is mm-hmm. all pertaining, particularly to the actors. Oh. In the MCU. Oh. And uh, so we have three categories: we have family, we have deep cuts. And we have classics, okay? Oh so, no!
1: Uh, you keeping score, or my keeping score? I don't know. I don't think. Are we keeping th- score?
0: I think I think we're gonna keep score much the same way as whose line is it anyway?
1: <laughs> so uh, yeah, I earn points, and they don't matter at all. Exactly. Let's go.
0: Pick a category, chair and a
1: dollar amount. Ooh, I'm gonna. All right, I'm gonna. I'm gonna do the. Uh, I'm gonna do the annoying Ken Jennings strategy and go deep cuts for five hundred, Alex. Deep cuts for five hundred. Or Mayim or Ken, now it's Ken.
0: I played Stephen Hawking not once, but twice. What? Yeah, baby. You uh, wanted to go big and bad. <laughs> now think MCU right. actors. MCU so, actors. Yes. All right. And these are main characters here, main characters. Okay. okay. So I'm not I'm not going off into the the Stephen weeds.
1: Hawking. Um I'm going to go Robert Downey Jr.
0: First of all, you didn't answer in the form. Who of
1: is Robert Downey Jr? Second of all... I'm wrong.
0: You're wrong.
1: The is answer, it Ruffalo?
0: No. The is answer it? is Benedict Cumberbatch. Who is Benedict Cumberbatch? Oh,
1: okay. All right. All right, so, so this is not... All right, all right, okay, all right, all right. This, so this is the entirety of the MCU, not just... Yeah, not i got to get out of phase two. Yes, not right, just phase okay, two. Okay, 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 Sorry, I should
0: have... I should have... So, okay,
1: Okay. All right, all right. I will take uh, deep cuts for 400.
0: Deep cuts... My water buffalo impression is perfect, but my police chief act in the same movie is better. I have no idea. Okay, I'll give you my... a hint. Zootopia.
1: Oh! Who is Idris Elba?
0: All right! Ding, 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 ding! <laughs> Half points for getting a hit, not i kidding. <laughs> yes, Good true. Job. All right, 200 points. Good Five. job. All right, next. Remember, our, our categories are family, deep cuts, and classics. I'll take classics for 500. I was Sam Wise's big brother in 1985, and together we saved the Goondocks. Now, if you want to tell me also what character they played, that would add you bonus points.
1: <laughs> oh, that, in, that was... in the
0: MCU, that is.
1: In the MCU. All right. Yes. Uh, but first, I have to get the actor. So, Sean Astin's older brother is an MCU character? Sean Astin's older brother. I'm showing the fact that I have not seen the Goonies in quite a long time.
0: All right.
1: Who is I'm trying to? I'm... Now I gotta. You could you could tell
0: me what the character they played in the MCU was, and that'll also give you equal
1: points. But if I don't know the actor, I don't know okay. the MCU character. Yes. All it's... Right. It's... Good good call. Good. I, I I don't know. I'm gonna say just to end this torment. Who is Chris Evans? No.
0: We are talking about Josh Brolin. Josh, oh, of Who plays Thanos? Like Thanos. Yes. yes, of course. Yes, right. the older brother, Bran.
1: Yes, in the Josh Brolin. Okay. Yes, yes. Okay. Yes, yes, okay. All right. Family for 300.
0: You didn't see my face, but Joaquin Phoenix imagined what I looked like in her.
1: Ah, who is Scarlett Johansson, a.k.a. the Black Widow. Ding, ding, ding! That
0: one, that one, I, I knew was a bit of a toughy one. But if you hadn't seen her, especially, but uh, yeah, good job. Yes, good I've job.
1: Got that one. Let's do deep cuts for one hundred.
0: I have played another Marvel superhero role before taking the MCU by storm.
1: Oh yes, this is who is Chris Evans.
0: Very the good. The two roles
1: are first, Captain America is what he's most well known for, but he has also played Johnny Storm in the yes! Fantastic Four yes! films, nice. Fantastic Four, and the second Fantastic Four movie, The Silver Surfer. There we go. Nice job. Was it the Rise of the Silver Surfer? I think it was. The I think rise it was Rise of to the, the Silver, Silver Surfer. Surfer. Yes. Yes. Yeah. He and Ryan Reynolds have the uh-huh. distinction of ha- of having played multiple uh, <laughs> superhero characters. Yes. Although I think Nathan Fillion probably has the record for the most number of characters, since he's been in <laughs> Guardians, and he's been, and he was in uh, and he was in um, the Suicide Squad, yeah, and he was just cast as another role in the DC in the uh, in a DC movie. He's cast in uh, the upcoming Superman Legacy movie, the next nice. Superman Legacy. He's a uh, Superman movie. He's playing a a, a character, a superhero character. Deep Cuts for 200
0: I played a serial killer before I indiscriminately killed bad guys. You can name the serial killer even better.
1: Who is Mark Ruffalo? No. No. Who is uh, before I indiscriminately killed bad guys? I don't know. Who is it? It's Jeremy Renner. Jeremy Renner played a serial killer. And he
0: played Jeffrey Dahmer in... Dummer.
1: Oh, I did I missed yes. that. Yeah. I did not know he started that. Yep. Yep. Wow, alright. Pulling some of these out here, so. Okay. Give me your favorites. Alright,
0: classic. My wallet says bad mother bleep err.
1: Oh, who is Samuel L. Jackson?
0: Yes! Ding 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 Had ding ding. Be.
1: Had to be. Alright. Nick Fury himself. Nick Fury himself. But okay. my
0: first on-screen girlfriend wasn't in MCU, but But I had a girlfriend in Where the Wild Things Are.
1: Family deep cut. Yeah. I have no idea. Give it to me.
0: That is Mark Ruffalo. Who is Mark Ruffalo? He played the boyfriend in Where the Wild Things Are.
1: Really? Yes. Yes. All right. Clearly, I don't remember that movie at all. Well, we're just
0: about done here. My favorite family one, and this is why I made the family category. Okay. I can literally tell James T. Kirk... I'm your daddy.
1: Oh, that's <laughs> who is Chris Hemsworth. Yes. Who, ding, ding, ding. Who plays James T. Kirk's father on in the uh, in the reboot of Star Trek, uh, known by us nerds as the Kelvin Universe Star Trek film? <laughs>
0: yes.
1: Yes. All right. And his success as Thor uh, is pointed to as one of the reasons why they never made a fourth movie in the kelvin universe because they wanted to bring him back as a character but he got too expensive <laughs> yeah <laughs>
0: all right so we have three more this one is classics some say my chaucer inspired heath ledger to be a knight
1: oh who is christian bale who plays the uh, uh who plays uh um um what's his name uh, the the with gore Gore, the gods like no, leg. no, 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 sir, no.
0: We're talking about he? Paul Bettany. Who is Paul oh. Bettany, aka Vision, aka Chaucer in, in a Knight's a nice a tale. tale. I there love that. Nice tale. There you go. Yeah. All right, so we
1: have two left here. That's that's. Classics. If you want to see Paul Bettany's butt, <laughs> watch a Knight's Tale. <laughs> I love that movie too. I love that movie. I
0: starred in the 1985 cl- cult classic *Weird Science*. My character's name was Ian.
1: That was Ian. Was that the no? Bill Paxton was Chet, mm-hmm. the older brother. Mm-hmm.
0: What character was Ian? That I don't was... remember exactly. It's been a, been a minute since I've seen it. Yeah. But think of think of who in the MCU main characters we've not we've not had an answer. for.
1: Oh, it's got to be RDJ. RDJ. Yes. Who is Robert Downey the, Jr.? There we go. In the form of a question. Who is Robert Downey? D- yeah, it's got to be because the 80s. He yes. was in, oh, wait, was he the, he was the cool kid. Yes. He was the cool kid that the two nerds who made, who made the, who made the woman, Kelly, what was her name? Kelly, who played the, who played the woman who was made yeah, in science. Yeah. Um. Oh, God. I'm so sorry, Kelly. Okay.
0: All right. Last one. And this is, this is, if you get this one, you win it all. <laughs> I will bow down to your nerddomen here. Uh-huh. You would never expect me to kill vampires alongside Abraham Lincoln.
1: Okay. So an MCU actor. That was in. That was in Abraham Lincoln Vampire Slayer. Vampire uh, Hunter. But Vampire you, Hunter. Yes. Oh, who played Abraham Lincoln in Vampire Hunter? It was Wait, not was, the, the main character. Oh, it was not Abraham not, Lincoln himself. Not Abraham Lincoln himself. I don't know. I want to go back to Christian Bale for some reason. No, no, no. Uh, I remember Abraham Lincoln Vampire Hunter, the movie. Mm-hmm. I don't remember any other character except Abraham Lincoln.
0: Okay. Think of the escaped slave on the train that, fought, that killed vampires alongside. Was it you Valkyrie?
1: Could... No. No? Was no. it... Was it? I mean, we already did you, it. You can, you can
0: name the the character that they played in the MCU. Yeah, that's what I'm trying yeah. to think
1: of. Um, you're getting close. Oh, was it? Uh, was it Chadwick Boseman? No, mm-hmm. it no? was not Chadwick was it...
0: Boseman. But you're getting much closer. Warmer, <laughs> warmer.
1: I'm trying to. Uh, how many black actors? Oh, Anthony Mackie. Who is yes, Anthony Mackie? Yes, it was Anthony Mackie. <laughs>
0: Congratulations, you have won it all. <laughs> And now, for the absolute best part of the show, where we will spin
1: the wheel Wheel of random Random episode selection. Jinx. (laughs) (laughs) Oh no, am I going to Jinx Tower now? (laughs) (laughs) Uh, Okay, Um, Jerry. (laughs) Now I have, how can I have no, you can't jinx me, then I'd have no voice. I said your name. Oh, thank you very much. You're right. Uh, (laughs) Unjinx, Thank you. All right. So today's today's Wheel of Episode selection is to determine what we will discuss specifically in our next episode. But we wanted, before we spin the wheel, Mm -hmm. we want to do a little explaining about our next two episodes because we are very excited to announce. Very excited. That the next two episodes of Two Guys in a Franchise will be misnamed. Because it won't be Two Guys in a Franchise. It will actually be
2: Four Four Guys guys in a Franchise. franchise.
1: Because we are bringing on our firstborn sons to be co-hosts of this episode for a specific reason. We are going to... uh, Because the next two episodes... The next episode is going to be all about Lost in Space, the 2018 Netflix a three-season TV show, Lost in Space, that independent of each other, this is just how nerdy <laughs> we are, independent of each other, without talking about it, without planning it, both Jeremy and I have happened to have watched Lost in Space on Netflix with our sons mm-hmm. as a specific father-son experience. Yes, so we're going to yes. bring our two sons on to talk about Lost in Space from Netflix. But before we spin the wheel, we also wanted to give you an advanced preview yes. of episode after next because uh if you want to really participate in that, it would mean a much larger commitment to viewing things. Yes, yes. And so I'm going to leave it to Jeremy to sort of talk about that episode.
0: It's generally understood
1: that Jerry and I have
0: two varying ends of the spectrum of nerdiness. And when it comes to franchises, With quite a bit of overlap in the middle there. However, I am an anime nerd. I love anime. I am by no means the end-all and be-all authority on it. However, I love it. We're trying something new. Trying something uh, we, we like to call Pitch It. For our first use of Pitch It, I am pitching three anime to Jerry with the homework that he should watch at least the first episode... Uh, or not the first episode, the first season if it is a multi-season uh, or watch the entirety if it's a short uh, season, a short series um, so many of them are and also included a movie in this. I have pitched my ideas to Jerry and uh, with his permission I would like to share them with you yes, right now. Yes, please,
1: yes, that's the idea. So I
0: have chosen for Jerry I've chosen Demon Slayer Season 1 I have chosen the short series, Erased, A Town Without Me. And for our film, I know it's a little bit kind of cliche, but I love it. It is Spirited Away, uh, the classic Miyazaki film.
1: So I am working through these anime because I have literally never watched anime with any kind of sustained effort or commitment and never made it through more than like the occasional... Seeing clips of something. Yeah. And uh, just to be clear and to uh, jump on the anime nerddom train, uh, when Jeremy says Demon Slayer season one, he refers to the first arc. Mm -hmm. Tanjiro Komodo, uh, crap, what's it called? (laughs) The something of something, something. Uh, (laughs) But the first arc, uh, which is the 26th the first 26 yes, the episodes the first
0: 26 episodes of of demon slayer it's it is what precedes mugen train it it's it's the the ta, uh, tanjiro kamado origin arc i guess you could call it i know there, there's a specific name for it but it escapes me right now i
1: tanjiro kamado unwavering un, resolve unwavering
0: arc. resolve that's it yes so we're
1: going to i i have committed to watching that
0: with unwavering resolve. Yes, exactly.
1: <laughs> so if you would like to join in fully, if you, like me, mm-hmm. are a total anime newbie and want to really join in, you now have two weeks to uh, to binge Erased and Demon Slayer, the first arc, and Spirited Away. As of the time of this recording, Demon Slayer is on Netflix, Erased is on Disney Plus slash Hulu, because Mm -hmm. they're in the process of merging those two Mm -hmm. things. And uh, Spirited Away is on Max, the streaming service Max, at the time of this recording. So you can join in. Next week, when we record with our boys the episode about Lost in Space, we will then spin the wheel... For those of you who do not have that much time and wonder how in the world we watch all this crap, uh, you <laughs> can participate by watching the specific piece whether it be an episode of one of those two uh one of those two episodic animes or Spirited Away, we will spin the wheel next week with our boys for a wheel selection for that pitch it episode in which we will discuss. And what's fun is the boys are going to are going to come back for that pitch it episode because yes, yes. both of our sons are huge anime fans for Jeremy's son it runs in the family for my <laughs> son uh, in many ways he kind of he kind of discovered it on his own and then really bonded with Jeremy and his family over the the shared love of anime mm-hmm. so the three of them our two sons and Jeremy are going to be kind of my three Three-person panel of experts that I can pepper with questions about this weird thing called anime that I am just dipping my toe into the water of.
0: It's addictive. It really is addictive.
1: Back to the business at hand, Lost in Space Netflix. There are three seasons with 10 episodes, 10 episodes, and 8 episodes, and I'm going to spin the wheel to see which episode will be our wheel selection that we will discuss specifically with our sons next week. Here we go.
0: Season three, episode
1: eight. Oh, interesting. Season two. The wheel continues to confound us because usually it became cliche that the wheel would give us something at the very beginning or the very end of series. But we have gotten right smack dab, kind of in the middle of the middle. Season two episode 4 which Jeremy do you have the title of that quite yet uh,
0: let me look that up real quick
1: season 2 episode 4 is scarecrow ooh oh. oh man scarecrow the netflix uh the netflix synopsis says while will searches for clues to the robot's fate John and Judy travel to the dusty surface of the nearby planet To help their fellow survivors So episode 4, Scarecrow If you've watched Lost in Space You know why we oot and odd over that title Because it is a uh, That's a big name So season 2, episode 4, Scarecrow Will be our uh, Wheel selection for discussion Next episode
0: That brings us to the end of another very, very fun episode. Jer, would you uh, roll us out?
1: Absolutely. If you would like to join us in our conversation, either through uh, a comment on our website or an email or by emailing us an audio clip of yourself, which might then show up in the show, uh, if you would like it to, let us know. Uh, you can do so by visiting www. Two Guys in a that is T W O A N D A franchise.com <laughs> or you can email us at Feedback, F E E D B A C K, at Two Guys in a Franchise, the same as what I just did, dot <laughs> com to participate in our conversations. We hope to hear from you and are enjoying it, and in the meantime, we both wish you. A Nerdy nerdy week.
0: Week.